Alright, and welcome back to Crossing the Rubicon. I'm your host, David Anaya, and I just want to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, We took the week off just to sort of celebrate and be with family. Not too much family, but you know, I hope everyone enjoyed themselves, and I hope you're ready for a new interview. Today we'll be talking to Eli Pimentel, who started his nursing career in the middle of the pandemic. We'll talk about his first days in the hospital and in the pandemic. We'll talk about the vaccine and the potential risks and benefits that come with it. And we'll also talk about his future goals and aspirations. So with that being said, ladies, gentlemen, and all my non-binary folks out there, please help me welcome Eli Pimentel. So yo, what's good, Eli? How are you? Living well, man. Surviving, getting through. Yeah. Staying safe, staying happy, staying healthy. Are you staying safe? As safe as can be. <laughs> uh, you know, because I, I worry about you sometimes because you just started uh, practicing as a nurse in the middle of the pandemic, right? So sometimes I think about you. I wonder, like, how are you doing and uh, how is that? I got to say, like, at least where I work, we got really lucky. Yeah. Like, even when it was at its height and, like, April and March and all that, like, we had something every day. We would reuse one of those masks, like, for a whole shift, mm-hmm. but every day we were getting something new, and at this point, like... Was that, was that, out of, I'm sorry to cut you off, was that out of necessity? Were you guys just undersupplied, or or was that just, like, the rush of it, like, don't have time to take off and put on a whole new set, or how the you know? It depends on who you ask. Okay, I'm, ask, I'm asking you. <laughs> so, like, if you ask me, I think that genuinely hospitals at the time were strapped our hospital was oversupplied oh wow we had an abundance of supplies but the fear was always there that that would run out at some Mm. point so for at least the things that you could reuse like the n95 we would get one of those for the shift because the one was like all right we have a month supply right and that's a month supply at current consumption which is you get one for the shift Mm -hmm. and if it breaks like okay right but be careful. But you can't just be going in, up. Oh, need a new one. No. And and if I'm not mistaken, right, you're only supposed to be wearing those for like two hours at a time or whatever, or is, or was I misled? So, I don't, honestly, I really don't know. Mm-hmm. The reality is like originally prior to COVID, you would only use these masks for like very specific situations, which is airborne diseases. Right. Depending on who you ask, of course, is COVID airborne? Yes and no. So we were just being as safe as can be. Mm-hmm. But... Because it's not like prior to COVID, you guys were all walking around with masks, right? Not only if it was like tuberculosis or mm-hmm. measles. And and now, no matter what you're doing, you're walking around with masks? Right now, no matter what, we walk around with like the surgical mask, which is just the regular like cloth joints. The blue one? Yeah. Uh-huh. But if you have a COVID patient, then you use the N95. strap but up. Strap up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You got the big gowns. I feel yeah. like I'm dressing up like a spaceman every I time. I feel like it. a NASA strap on my bag. It's crazy. That's, but, yeah. That's funny. But uh, I really want to actually dive into this whole, your whole experience throughout the pandemic. But before we even get into that, I'm curious, like, how you even decided to become a nurse. Because you were telling me how, like, for a while you weren't really sure what you wanted to do. How did you land on that? So, it's a funny story, actually. Like We love funny stories. Yeah. It's, it's funny, but not funny. It's funny to me. It's funny to me because, um, like, as a kid, like, I had, I, I don't know, I considered myself, like, a person without any, like, deep convictions. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I didn't really care what I did. I mm-hmm. um, 
like even the senior year of high school i was like what next you know mm. can i just say this it's interesting you brought that up because i'm starting to be a teacher right i'm in my last semester of grad school and they're asking me what is my hidden curriculum right what is like something that i really want to teach uh, my students that is not on the state standards and one of my main goals is for my students to leave my classroom knowing what they're passionate about right because i feel like it's too many students high school students who leave high school and whether they're going to college or not they don't really know what they want to do right and that could be good that could be bad but i think a lot of times if you come out of high school and you know what you want to do you have a little bit more peace in your life you have like a little bit more direction not that everyone who has that right even become successful or whatever or is at peace but that's just something that came to mind as you said that it's so funny because I went to school. I, I went to school where I had two bachelors, you know, like on paper, I'm an academic. Mm-hmm. But like if you would ask me right now, I don't think it's about leaving high school knowing what you want to do. Mm-hmm. I think it's about leaving knowing what you're good at. Because mm-hmm. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew mm-hmm. what I was good at. I was good at science. Yeah. I understood. I wanted to know about the way the world worked and it, it, it came naturally to me, like studying papers and this, that, and the third, biology. Like I got it. That's no. fu- that's funny you said that because I don't want to ask my students, like, what do you want to do when you grow up? Because I don't want you to just sort of put everything into a profession. Mm-hmm. I, I want to ask you, what are you passionate about? Right. So what do you like doing? What, what like gets you excited? So if you want to rap, if you want to design clothes, if you that gets you passionate, then bet, let's work together. Let's see what kind of like profession we can sort of find for you in that or whatever, whatever ideal thing you want to look for in that passion and i think that would be a beautiful way of doing things like i want to say shout out to mr hall Mm. uh, he taught us environmental science back in saunders i never had him shout out saunders that was uh, (laughs) a biotech major shout out saunders yeah yeah, yeah. he made made college (laughs) real easy i gotta say he he did it but how did he do that he at the time we didn't notice but like he taught us a framework Mm. Uh, like a way of thinking, a way of looking at the world critically. Like, mm. how does this work? How do you analyze things? And it's never about like understanding that there's no perfect solutions to anything. Like mm. everything has like a cost benefit. And it wasn't economics. It was the environment. You know, right. you would think like, I want to save the environment. But he was like, it's not so simple. Yeah, let's say you do this, but there's a cost. Mm. Like, honestly, I that was something that stuck with me even going to college. And it, 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 it made me like look at the world in a very specific way, which like now I can look at as like a scientific way of looking at mm. things. Where some people might say that's like business, but you know, maybe they're cousins in that way. In, in a way, like, yeah. business is related to everything, right? Mm-hmm. Especially in America. Pretty much. Yeah. But, I mean, it doesn't hurt to, like, understand that. Because, like, for, for better or worse, good or evil, like, you have to look at the world. That way. Yeah. There's there's cost. Right. You can't live in, like, a, a ignorance is bliss sort of mindset and be like, well, I don't like capitalism or whatever, so I'm just going to... Bro, you live in a capitalist society. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to be aware of it. You have to, like, win within the game in a way. You know, yeah. you can't just be like, poo-hoo, and, like be upset so it, you do have to know a little bit of all of that yeah, yeah. but he i, I want to say he taught us like passion through anger and frustration mm-hmm. um explain that what does that mean because he let us ask questions so like let's say i we want like he brought up the idea of nuclear energy He's like nuclear energy is without a doubt the cleanest form of energy mm-hmm. if we wanted to have like zero carbon emissions nuclear energy and we were all like fuck it let's do that like why aren't we doing that i'll get the governor on the phone right now that's all (laughs) we're gonna do going forward but 
But yeah, I was waiting for the butt because I don't but, know. <laughs> yeah, he's like, but that has waste too. And right. we're like, all right. And he goes, and it's around for millions of years. Where are you going to put it? And we're like, somewhere, bro. Like, fuck it. Just put it in a, in a storage thing. He goes, yeah, but then those containers leak. Mm. Or, or like, maybe it's a, a user handling error. And right. then again, now it's in the water. Could be. By the way, it generates a lot of heat that kills the fish. Mm-hmm. And we're all like, fuck, fuck. <laughs> fuck <laughs> like but and then of course everybody he says it happens every year he's like somebody always says let's shoot it into space mm-hmm. and then he's like y'all ever heard of the apollo Sheesh. yeah and you know tragic story but he's like you don't want something blowing up over the sky with right. like all this debris and all that just to say like he taught us to be mad he taught us like listen like you think you got it figured out you don't but you have to keep asking questions mm-hmm. you have to figure out like again like there's no perfect solution but which one are you the most comfortable with mm. you know which one helps the most people does it help everyone no right. but you know you like you have to fix a problem i like that yeah i like that so that sort of carry you into like the, the nursing field or 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 was that sort of a seed planted there? How, how did you end up getting to the nursing field? Uh, it was a long way around. I knew going into like environmental science wasn't going to make any money. I knew I wanted <laughs> to make money. I was, I, me and my family were like dirt poor. So like at the end of the day, I needed something that made money. My mom took me to a college advisor friend. And I was like, I'm good at science. Maybe I could do something in healthcare. I know they make money, mm-hmm. right? I, at this point, I still wasn't on. So I'm like, I'm going to help people. Right. You know, like she was like, what about a PA? It's not as long, much school as a doctor. They make more than a nurse. And, and Stony Brook's a good school. And it's cheap. And mm-hmm. I was like, so uh, that sounds good. And so you only <laughs> had to do four years of college for that? I ended up doing five. Okay. But my question is, you didn't have to go to medical school, right? I didn't have to go to medical school. And where I started to realize the flaw in my thinking when it came to PA school was like, I didn't want to do a lot of school and I didn't have the money to do a lot of school. Mm -hmm. I was very much like, how do I punch out the fastest so I can start making money and take care of my family? Right. That's what it ended up being. Noble, noble decision. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was PA school and I went like... So the way it normally works is there are some bridge programs where like you do undergrad, you have to get your bachelor's and then they like segue into, uh, I I think it's a master's. Don't quote me on that. I'm not sure. But like you go to a PA program. If you get your bachelor's first, PA programs are anywhere from two to three years, Mm -hmm. a lot less than medical school. For sure. And you do make the money as soon as you're done. You can make your like 120 and up. Uh, Whereas like medical school is four years. Then you have internship and residency Mm -hmm. and you're broke into your 40s besides the loans and i was like big no for me yeah yeah it's like wild for sure no long 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 story and i was like <laughs> i like school but not that fucking yeah. much hell no you're crazy yeah even me i'm in grad school i can't wait to stop writing essays like i don't know if i'm going for a phd fuck that like, it's it's nuts it's nuts and you have to like to even like i have people in their phd programs now for like their nursing doctorates at my job and it's like they're writing papers they don't give a fuck about yeah they don't care no not one bit they're just like i'm doing this so i can get my degree and yeah. go start practice or whatever it is me i know that's not me i'm not right I mean, you gotta do what you gotta do you know what <laughs> saying? all like, of that i'm done I school asked for an essay paper. i'm gonna give you an essay like so yeah i spent like the next five years thinking i was gonna go to pa school all the way up until like the wire so I think around my junior year, I realized how behind I was on like getting shit done Mm -hmm. because you need like a thousand clinical hours and you need to like mostly like it's super competitive. I didn't realize that because I don't know. I just I didn't have that much conviction towards it. I was always like, I mean, this could be the thing. This is a thing. This Mm -hmm. is my option. So I'm gonna go for this. Um, this seems to like achieve my goal Mm -hmm. and something that I can do successfully and I can help people and yada, yada, yada. 
Um, I, it was checking all the boxes and I was, I was content with it, but I wasn't, I wasn't so driven that I was like busting my ass every day. Right. I was doing good. I like got my job done, but like I wasn't going out of my way right, to right. be the PA. I wasn't going out of my way to be like number one candidate. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. So I ended up trying to do everything in like my fourth year. Like I'm volunteering here, working as a scribe, working in a research lab. And I was just doing it all. And I'm like, fuck, I'm working real hard. And I don't even really know that I give a fuck. Mm. I really mm. don't know that I've I I've been care there before. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> But like, and I had like nervous breakdowns. I was I had to call yep. my mom was I was like taking yep. a shit and I was like I'm stressed. Yeah, been there. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, Ma, I don't know about this, man. I really am don't. I a fraud? <laughs> like, I felt like a fraud. Yeah. I definitely did because I was working mad hard and I was getting things done, but it wasn't good enough and it was like too little, too late, and I didn't care. Mm. I was like, look at all these PA schools, look at all the candidates, and everybody I had spoken to that was gonna be a PA or go to PA school was like in it yeah like devoted dedicated and into winning type yeah. shit yeah like not playing around yeah so i was like at the i had already graduated actually and like now it was like so like all of these things have like timelines like mm-hmm. you have to meet a certain criteria there's these like uh admission cycles and yada 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 so i had graduated and i'm like oh my god by the time i meet everything to do this job that i might not like it's going to be two and a half, three years from now to get into the program. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was stressed. I was working on campus, though, doing, um, I was like a TA for a microbiology lab. And I was just walking by and I ran into somebody that, like, I knew. And she was like, oh, you know, hey, how you doing? You know, just shooting this shit. And I was like, what are you working on right now? And she was like, actually, I'm working on my nursing school application. Mm. And I was like, oh, yeah? Like, to where? And she goes, here, Stony Brook. The deadline isn't, like... I think four weeks or five weeks or something like that. And boom, the light bulb popped in your head. Not even, it took like the end of the conversation. I was, you know, I was just like, oh, good luck, you know, yada, yada. And she goes, you know, you should apply. Mm. And I was like, that's when the light bulb went. Maybe I should. I was like, (laughs) fuck, that does sound like a really good idea. And it just, it was like, it was all at once too. It was like, I have to apply. Yeah. And then it was like this mad rush to get like a shit ton of like work done, uh, all of your letters of recommendation mm-hmm. da, 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 da. so i was like scrambling for like five weeks and i applied to one school and i was like if i get into this school and it was stony brook i was like it's meant to be it's meant yeah it's meant to be mm-hmm. if it's not i keep going the, the, the route that you're already yeah like what i was already working for but if i if this works out and it felt good it felt real good i was like this feels solid this mm-hmm. feels good and i had a conversation with my mom on the phone i was like i think i'm gonna apply to a nursing school and she was like, I'm so glad you said that because yeah. you did not sound like as passionate as I became after the course of one conversation as like as you were like towards PA school mm-hmm. like, you're right 100% I didn't give a fuck I didn't yeah. care but there was something about it that just felt right and I had never thought about it until then and I knew plenty of people who were going also at that point I was like nah this is it this is yeah. it this is it this is it so then I got in got the letter like right before right before new year's and I was like this is perfect. We're going <laughs> leaving this year strong. I'm in the one school that I applied to. This is meant to be like next May. And May this, to May. this was already the school you were in. Yeah. Right. So it's like I there was a no big transit. Yeah. Years, yeah. That works out perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then, and then how long was, did you have to go for, was that the extra fifth year because you changed your major? Uh, so I had already gotten my degree in five years because like it took me a while to finish one of my Oh, majors. so you have a PA degree. I have a biology degree uh-huh. from like my first 
bachelor's that I it took me five years to do because I was uh-huh. I double majored I did the art minor I was fucking around I did bro you finished backwards. that's all that yeah, matters no, honestly I, yeah. and I, I mean this is just to say like people like don't rush yourself yeah do not rush yourself yeah for sure right? don't go to an expensive school if you're not gonna rush yourself right <laughs> big time yeah like big time. I, I recommend state school to everybody like if you're really like if you want to go straight to college but you don't know what the fuck you want to do do not mm-hmm. spend your money wandering somewhere mm-hmm. like it's like college is about like the people you meet and Definitely. the ideas that you like interact with. It's not so much about being in the most expensive place in the world. Definitely. Stony Brook was the cheapest SUNY and I got, I did good there. And, and people can't sleep people. on community colleges either. Honestly, like if you really don't know what you're doing, go take your two years, do all your liberal arts in community college. You figure it out. 100%. Don't stress yourself out. Yeah. Like for a dream that you don't even know. Is yeah. Real yet. Oh. I know for me, I came straight out of high school and I went to a college and I knew what I wanted to do, but I just, I was still a kid, you know, and I was like cutting class and doing dumb shit, like dumb high school shit and whatever. I ended up like losing a big ass scholarship. And then I had to, it was like a whole coming out of the ashes sort of thing. I had to now pay for community college, then transfer to another college. And like, you know, now I I am here where I am, but it's tough. It's, it's tough, but it, you finish it when you finish it. So that's what matters for sure. It's crazy because I feel like no matter how soon you even come to the conclusion of what you want to do, like it's still just like a long journey home. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's a beautiful one, it's a stressful one, but like whichever route you take, like don't overextend yourself trying to meet somebody else's standards or what like what's sold to you. That's like I don't know. I try to tell that to as many people as possible. For sure. I see people coming out of these like private schools with hundreds of thousand dollars in debt and a psych degree. You are not gonna be a psych. <laughs> I feel so, my heart really breaks, dude, because. Your options are so limited. Like, yeah. What the fuck are you going to do? Yeah. You don't want to use that. There's nothing you can use it for. I uh, know. <laughs> I feel so bad. It, it and people come out of college with like philosophy degrees. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, damn, dog. You know, Socrates, you you're not going to be Socrates. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, <laughs> no, nah, but no disrespect to anybody like yeah. that. We're, we're just shooting the shit. But bringing it back around, bringing it back around to when you are actually a nurse. Right. You started in the middle of the pandemic. Am I, am I wrong or... The pandemic is literally all I know. Oh, you know, right? Yeah. All I know. I started in February, pandemic hit in like March. Mm-hmm. So I was like still on orientation. I still had, I was still like the little. Still training. I was still a little d- duck following somebody around. That's crazy. <laughs> what was that like? Like training in the middle of such a global pandemic? I got to say that the people that I like who trained me did mm-hmm. an absolutely amazing job. Like they gave me just enough independence to figure out like how I wanted to do things mm-hmm. while still like guiding me properly so that I didn't fuck up and like kill, literally kill somebody. You I know? feel that. So it was interesting because like the other thing is it was so brand new to everybody. Right. Like, you know, COVID hit and it was like, what is it? Like, how big is it? How is it spread? For is most people didn't from, know, right? No. Yeah. And like, even now we don't like, they'll tell you one thing, but like the question is like, is the CDC just saying that because they don't want to have to backtrack? Because of course, as soon as they backtrack, how many headlines CDC reverses, yada, yada, yada. And yeah. everybody's on Twitter, like the government's lying to us, you know? So they take the safe bet, which is, oh, it's like the flu, respiratory droplet and all that. But if you have a nebulizer treatment, it's airborne. And it's like, what, what is that? What's a nebulizer treatment? Did you have asthma as a kid? No, I've never had asthma. I, all my asthmatics are going to know this is that big ass machine that uh, you got to try and hear the cartoons over. I've never, <laughs> never heard of it. It, it basically like it, it, 
aerosolizes or turns like the albuterol into mist so that you can like inhale it and it expands your lungs when you have like having an asthma attack oh wow so what they can think is oh if even if somebody's asymptomatic but they're a carrier like we have to treat everybody as if it's possible that if they have the virus somewhere in their respiratory tract that using an albuterol treatment as they exhale will give the virus wings basically so that it can flow through the air like further than the six feet oh whoa you know so they treat it as an airborne disease if someone is either covid positive and getting any type of albuterol treatment but we take the precaution with anyone who gets albuterol treatments mm-hmm. any type of nebulized treatment in general yeah that's that's interesting i, I never knew that i never knew yeah. that so i know i know when you started february march april those are real scary hours not only like out in society but out I'm sure in the hospital, I mean, I feel like I had to go to um, a hospital for something uh, during, I don't know, like in April for something about my tonsils and dog, I didn't want to touch anything. I didn't like, they were like, sit there. I was like, I don't want to, I'll wait, like I'll stand. I didn't want to touch anything. I I just felt so anxious in, Mm -hmm. in the hospital, even though I wasn't there for any COVID related things, but just knowing like it's COVID in the room, you know? And then, so I'm wondering if that was my experience with an hour visit like what was your experience working shifts don't nurses and doctors work like 12 hour shifts or like long so yeah we're so so somewhere i think doctors will occasionally do like 24 hour stints for like three or four days fuck out of here that's crazy yeah so so if you're thinking about medical school keep that in mind (laughs) but i work 12 hour shifts overnight 7 p.m to 7 30 a.m um I work in pediatrics, so I got to start off saying that kids did not get that sick. Yeah. Unless, of course, and like, I don't know if this offends some people, but like, if like for obese patients, like they are our at-risk patients. Yeah. Like I, if I had a 16-year-old there for like, uh, like an orthopedic surgery, like they fractured a bone or something, if they were COVID positive, they just happened to be COVID positive, but mm. they asymptomatic, no nothing. But the people who like, I had a 21 year old on a non rebreather mask, which is basically this mask that gives you like 85% oxygen because you need it. Like you're, <laughs> you yeah, need it. You're, <laughs> you're gasping for air, desperate. Like you're calling. Call- <laughs> it, it's funny, but it's, it's, it's funny true. Yeah. Said it. <laughs> like, because <laughs> I've seen it, you know, like, I, if you need act it. like, people act like shit is sweet, but like, I have had patients who like from, and these are, they're in rooms that like we try not to go into. Like, right. I'm not I'm not going to go in there unless I have to. I'm going to give the care that like you, every patient deserves. But at the same time, like if your back hurts, mm-hmm. you know, and you want a hot pack, like these are little things that normally we do routinely. But it might take a few hours unless I have to go in there to give you a medication because your back pain is not a priority when I have to protect myself from COVID. Right. So it's little creature comforts that people lost, I mm. think, during COVID, which is really sad. I think from a nursing perspective, there was the fear and the anxiety for getting sick. But there was also this like deep sadness that we couldn't provide the care that everyone deserved. Yeah. A, it was lack of resources. There was not enough ventilators yeah. that intubated patient, patients needed. We didn't have high flow nasal cannulas for everyone that was usually like a segue between levels of care we weren't doing this thing called CPAP or BiPAP as like a respiratory assist because we didn't want to help spread the virus yeah we thought that that would be something that helps facilitate the virus being airborne could be yeah so again one of these like respiratory assists that like could have helped people we just didn't do Mm -hmm. like or like we avoided it until at least when things were a little less hectic like now maybe but still we're like maybe no and were these sort of mandates coming from up top or or were these things that was just sort of uh 
decided upon between the nurses and the doctors or or how did that work so yeah when it came to like people getting ventilated which is like basically when they shove the tube down your throat and breathe for you with a machine um some people would get intubated too early simply because we didn't have those transitionary assists some people would get intubated later than they would normally because we didn't have ventilators Mm -hmm. and that was a resource thing um the decision to not use those like intermediaries was basically like a policy decision on the part of the hospitals because it was infection control yeah like if this helps the virus spread we're gonna lose nurses and doctors like flies because like it's just easier for us to get sick yeah and if we get sick we're we're out not only for as long as we're sick but two weeks after yeah yeah you know Mm -hmm. all right so i think we talked about a lot of like really important things um but i i think i really wanted to ask you this and Feel free to say what you want to say. Don't say what you want to say. But how do you feel about this vaccine moving forward? You know, you, you said that a lot of your coworkers perhaps didn't know or, or were not prepared. Do you think we're prepared as a society with this vaccine or is it being rushed or how do you feel? Um, and then how, how, does, how do your colleagues also feel? So honestly, I, working in a hospital amongst like medical professionals, doctors, nurses, nursing assistants, like the whole nine yards literally 50 50 mm. you can ask one person they'll be like oh definitely sign me up i'm gonna be the first online i'm not fucking around get me that shot mm-hmm. and other people are like definitely not definitely not there was one uh, nursing assistant assistant uh who was like oh they definitely put covid on the flu swabs or on the swabs when they even test people and I was like, what yeah i don't know what she's smoking in her free time but, i hope not i've but, been tested <laughs> twice i never got it <laughs> yeah but like you know conspiracy right. around like i like i'd say was, this whole situation was ripe for conspiracy i was very hesitant initially granted like given how vaccines are made most of the safety surrounding vaccine is like people are worried about long-term side effects like most of the side of like the largest side effect for almost every vaccine is literally are you allergic to one of the components something that either preserves it so that it can be stored and refrigerated or like viruses aren't cells they don't grow and divide on their own so like one of the most common things that someone will ask you like me as a nurse i'll ask you like have you had the flu vaccine no and then you particular reason they'll be like no and i'm like well are you allergic to eggs and the question is like eggs why the fuck does that matter right Uh and it's because we use those eggs to culture like we use i think chicken eggs or something like that to culture the virus so there's like a small possibility that some egg protein that people may be allergic to is contained in the vaccine itself you know what's a conspiracy i hear a lot that people are gonna like be microchipped through this vaccine have you heard that I, I love this one. I love this one so much because they're like, you really think the government needs to microchip you to track you? Like, we put our daily business every day on the internet for free. No funny shit. That's a great argument. That's a great response to that. I guess I, I never thought about it that way. Yeah. My friend works in, um in like, he works for a marketing, uh, in, in data mm-hmm. and information. He... Uh, from the moment you log on, like click get onto a website, it you're tracked for how long you stay 
on any given page, which parts you linger on, where your mouse is hovering over, what link you clicked to get to the page, all of it is just aggregated as metadata. Wow. Like everything you do on the internet is tracked from like start to finish by individual companies. Everything you do on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram is packaged and sold. Right. All of your behavior. Like if you've, for everyone who's watched Social Dilemma and it, it got me off Instagram for a week. I avoided that for that reason. <laughs> I was like, I don't, I don't want to be scared. Everything you do is, is packaged and sold so that somebody can sell you something more specifically. I bought these Adidas because that ad was perfect. Yeah. I needed new shoes and I was just browsing and now like my entire feed is just swamped and maybe one ad, two ad, three ad, four ad. By the time I see the fourth ad, I'm like, I kind of really do need shoes. Everything you do is already packaged and sold back yeah. to you. Like, trust me, you don't need to get microchipped. <laughs> hey, everyone <laughs> listening, they're not going to microchip you, dog. They're yeah. really not. And what you're really saying is like, I'm going to microchip you and like, who knows, maybe I'm, I'm a fed, but I don't think so. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I would never like, I think at least most of the nurses I know, like 99% all mean the best. Like we're not going to put anything into ourselves or into someone else knowing mm -hmm. that there's these risks. Like I'm going to get the vaccine. I might not be the first one. <laughs> uh, it did, truth be told, I'm a little hesitant, but like, I read the papers, only of Pfizer. Pfizer is the only vaccine that I read anything on. Mm -hmm. um, basically, this is the first vaccine of its kind. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know, for my science geeks That's out scary. there. Yeah. Yeah. It's scary, but... It, so, like, one of the new arguments is that they put... Or the new conspiracies is that you're getting injected with fetal... Aborted fetal cells in yeah, your like vaccines. Yeah, like stem cells? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that freaks people out. If they were injecting you with fetal, aborted fetal cells without your consent or knowledge, that would be an awful thing to do. Yeah. I promise you it's not. Yeah. I've read article after article because when I first read it, I was like, that's fucked up. I've, I've done some, I've done also done some research on stem cells and uh, people say that like a lot of super rich people actually really dabble with stem cells for like a regenerative mm -hmm. purpose, you know? They, they go to like Panama and Guatemala and they get uh, stem cells injected into their joints to yeah. like facilitate healing and it works. Yeah. Just, there's a moratorium or like a, a mutually consented agreement to not do that in the United States. Yeah. I think also by law and also by like general consensus mm -hmm. from within the industry. Like we don't do that here. Mm -hmm. But that's just to say this vaccine in particular, the Pfizer one, isn't injecting you with any viral particles. It's injecting you with mRNA, which is basically just instructions for proteins that your cell then uses to make the protein that's on the surface of the coronavirus is spike protein mm. so your body takes the mrna reads it off like it would any mrna that we make like what we call endogenously or just like naturally but the body knows that it's not from us mm. so this is the part where the body's like hey what the fuck is that <laughs> you know like I don't like that. Yeah. And it creates an immune response. Mm. And now you have some form of immunity if the vaccine takes. From what I understand, it's worked for 95% of candidates. Um, I think that they did like a post-exposure and stuff like that. And they want to do like a booster, I guess, just to like make sure. But I haven't really read too much into that. Yeah. As far as like the vaccine itself, though, it seems pretty legit. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I really want to ask you, too, is I, and I'm not sure if you even know this much, but OK, so this is a global pandemic. But I'm hearing that each country or a lot of countries are making their own 
vaccines. Does that not sound sort of counterproductive, right? It shouldn't it all be the same vaccine? Or I don't know, no, so I'm asking you. I don't know. I think I think the competition bred the best possible vaccine because like these people all want that government money Mm -hmm. and there's high standards for that government money so they couldn't fuck around and sell some bullshit which like maybe they could if they sold it cheap enough Mm -hmm. but like i think at the other end of it is like i i believe in skeptics and i believe that scientists are skeptics and i believe that the people who are going to review the data on these vaccines are like i've worked in a research lab these people are like what the fuck did you do why'd you do that what what do those numbers mean like your methods are trash like Mm -hmm. i don't like any of this this isn't properly random demise these people tear each other to shreds yeah um so i think that like when it comes to that if the data is publicly available and it seems like so far they're being pretty transparent it it, it produced a good vaccine like the current vaccine is pfizer's an american brooklyn brooklyn baby brooklyn born (laughs) company with BioNTech, which is like a german company where i think that like global cooperation actually you know worked out yeah but i think moderna is another one and then there's like three other ones that are doing more traditional methods of vaccine production that are going a little bit slower i think i think it's what we needed yeah to keep everyone the most people safe what they should have done is locked everyone indoors for two weeks some of the last people who have gotten sick would have you know either run its course or they would have been in the hospital getting taken care of Mm -hmm. if everyone else is in for two weeks we would most likely be fine you can't do that economy would die people would get you know there's like these hidden things with mental illness blah 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 blah. cost too much uh i think the bare minimum that we can ask people is to not fucking go out in these huge parties with no masks on like if you could just not do that yeah (laughs) you could just please (laughs) not do that that, like it would do something like if we could just all commonly agree to like do the bare minimum it would go so far to just like mitigate the spread it's interesting though because these uh, who knows if a lockdown would have worked or not because there are countries who locked down as soon as it happened and now they're getting these surges now it's like coming back around so it's like did it work did they like ruin their economy for no reason you know so it's really tough and i think when it was like march april even tougher to really make a decision like that um i don't know this shit is super unpredictable it's got a counter argument especially i heard with like uh south korea was like they locked down quick yeah they didn't they were not fucking around they said nobody in or out everyone's getting contact traced and they had like in the beginning everybody was like look at south korea Mm -hmm. but as soon as they opened up up again nobody's immune you know so it's like well how does that help because now Mm. you're just like ripe for the fire yeah you know and it's like that makes sense too Mm. you know but i think when when they were talking about flattening the curve that's what they were talking about like people will get it let's make sure that they get it in a way that the hospital system can manage Mm. which like now we're not especially on the west coast and like the middle of the country new york is all right so uh, as we sort of like wind down here dude uh you want to tell me like what are some of your goals and aspirations moving forward in this field or maybe just not even in this field just in general um i guess for, for everybody who's thinking about it like the, the what i can say i'm a pediatric nurse like i got really lucky i landed as my first job but what i can say about my job is i i love what i do i fucking love it mm-hmm. i love it i love it i see sick kids i send healthy kids home like, mm-hmm. i don't really deal with a lot of chronic cases because i'm not in like a what's like a heme oncology floor but eventually once i get out my uh once I get sick of it, mm. hopefully 20 years from now, I think I'll go teach. <laughs> I fuck yeah. with that. I fuck with that. Yeah. We could always use some more teachers in yeah. the profession. Especially because I'm so stressed about how many people were underprepared for this <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> I gotta go make sure somebody's ready. <laughs> I feel that, dude. 
And if, uh, do you want to sort of say where people can find you if, if you want? Or... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm easy to find. I'm at Tits and Lines. <laughs> <laughs> As the name speaks for itself, I do Tits and Lines. Our drawings, not the uh, white powder. No. Yeah, you're great. Yeah, I'm glad. <laughs> no white lightning on I'm... this side. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you made that distinction. I feel that. I feel that. And, um, I never say where you can find me. I guess I got to start doing that. You can find me at the Annihilator, T-H-E underscore A-N-A-Y-A later, L-A-T-E-R. Uh, you can find me there. And I think I sort of want to leave everyone with this question. What are you passionate about? You know, what what makes you feel like Eli does? What, what's going to make you feel like Eli does? Like he loves what he does. If you don't know what you want to do, just ask yourself what you love doing and then pursue that. So with that being said, Eli, thank you for coming on, dude. Oh, happy to be here. Stay safe, stay healthy, everyone. Enjoy Christmas. No big parties. Please, <laughs> please. I don't want to see you. <laughs> stay safe, y'all. Peace.